Hello everyone and welcome to part two of Pregnancy and the Pelvic Floor. Sabina Weaver is with me again. She is a pelvic floor therapist and owner of His Therapy in Greenville, South Carolina. Hey Sabina. Hey Lauren. I'm so glad to be here again with you today. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm excited. Okay, so so since this is part two, I came up with two different questions that I thought might be helpful. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, can I prepare my pelvic floor for birth and how? Wow. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think one of the biggest things that I find when I see um, pregnant patients is they don't know. Like, they don't, nobody's ever really taught them about their pelvic floor. They don't know how to contract the pelvic floor. They're not, they don't know how to use it. They're having problems with incontinence. Sometimes they're having problems with retention and pain, which can happen with pregnancy. But I think the first thing, you know, most women should really do is try to seek some help with finding a pelvic floor therapist, number one, or maybe even just getting some information from their doula or midwife and learning about the muscle. Um, prepare, preparing for childbirth or just with pregnancy is really just like with any other muscle in our body. Once you learn it and once you learn how to use it, you got to start using it. you got to start um, allowing your body to know where it is and use it through exercises. And some of the exercises that we use can be correlated. So using your back, using your hips, using your legs, and really trying to gain that pelvic floor lift See, the pelvic floor with pregnancy, Lauren, a lot of times there's a lot of tension there. It's like a hammock. Mm. And as the baby's growing, the hammock gets tighter. So one of the things that we see on our biofeedback is that when I put biofeedback on with someone who's pregnant is the tone is increased. And when there's too much tone, that can lead to pain, that can lead to tension, that can lead to urinary or bowel problems as well. So... When they see it on the biofeedback, they learn how to use that muscle correctly, and then we teach them how to use it. And so I I do a lot of functional training with the pelvic floor, and I try to make them aware of it so that they're using it when they're taking care of their other kids at home or when they're cooking, when they're cleaning, when they're working. So I make it really functional. So just learning how to use it and starting to use it functionally is probably one of the biggest things that someone can do when they're Mm. pregnant. Thank you. That was very helpful. Okay, and then this is a big one. How do episiotomies or natural tearing affect my pelvic floor? So once the baby's delivered, um, if the baby comes out vaginally, sometimes the doctors have to do an episiotomy. And an episiotomy is basically they, they cut right through that perineal body, which is the space between the vaginal opening and the rectal opening. Um... And then there's natural tearing. So sometimes a doctor doesn't use the scalpel and doesn't cut it, but naturally the baby's head comes out and it tears the same little area. In my experience, over the past 10 years, less episiotomies have been done and more natural tearing has occurred. And I think the doctors are finding, not all of them, but they're finding most of the time when women naturally tear, they heal a little bit better. And they, their recovery is a little bit faster. But what I find is that when I see my patients who've had an episiotomy or just had a baby, I directly go to that area and I look at it and then I teach women on how to take care of it. I mean, you know, if you, Lauren, if you had surgery on your knee yes. or a shoulder and if you saw a therapist and let's say it was a new cut, wouldn't it be nice to be able to someone show you how to use scar tissue and try to move that scar tissue around 
Yes. If you've ever heard of that, well, what happens is when you start massaging that area around when it's healed and the doctor gives you the permission, it allows that knee to move better. It allows your shoulder to move better. And it doesn't allow that scar to get hard because if the scar gets hard, the muscle doesn't move. Mm. Well, it's the same way with, with the pelvic floor. So if the episiotomy is done or natural tear, there's usually a scar right there. And if the scar is not dealt with, it can become hard. And if it becomes hard, the muscle doesn't function as good. And so I try to really teach women, and I, I teach them in the very beginning too. I was like, look, you know, this is going to be a huge trauma when the baby comes out and you might have some tearing. This is what I want you to start doing. Start taking care of your perineal body, which is that little space. And then after you have the baby, you need to address it and start using that muscle and start massaging it. And it does help. It helps a lot with healing. And I like using, you know, I'm kind of old school, but I like using coconut oil and vitamin mm. E because it really does help with healing. Now, not everybody can handle coconut, but most of my patients can. And coconut oil works really well for healing scars. So, yeah. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, that does. That does. Um, I... I love I love the part about the natural tearing and what you, what you had to say about that and how that heals faster. I love that. Well, that's what most research shows. You know, it really does. And I, I think it, you always have to go back to the doctor who delivered, you know, or the midwife or the doula, and really, you know, get their seek their um, advice as well, because they were there during the delivery. You know, a lot of times when I see the patients, it's after the fact. Mm. And so, if there's any other major concerns right away, you definitely need to address it with the physician. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much, Sabina. Oh, I appreciate you're it. Welcome. Thank you. I thank can't you. wait to talk more about you know yes. pregnancy and how other other things that can happen. So, so hopefully, we can do this again, Lauren. So next week we will try to cover die. What is Diastasis it? Diastasis recti. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Because yes. I would. I. I'm just curious about it, and I'm sure other people are too. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm. I'm excited about next week. Thank you so much for asking these questions, and thank you so much for having this podcast with me. Yes, thank you, Sabina. You're welcome. And for more information, you can just go to www.histherapy.net to find more about Sabina and what all she does. And she also has more podcasts on her website as well. Thank you again. Hello again, and welcome to this podcast where we will be discussing diastasis recti. My name is Lauren McClellan. I'm a certified birth doula, and I'm here with Sabina Weaver. She's a pelvic floor therapist with his therapy. Hey, Sabina. Hey, Lauren. It's so nice to see you again today and talk to you about this very important topic. Likewise. So, tell me, what is diastasis recti? So, diastasis recti, um, the definition of it is pretty much a partial or complete separation of the rectus abdominis muscle, which meets at the midline of the stomach. Um, it, can, it can be very common with pregnancy. In fact, there was a study showing on 52% of women have experienced diastasis recti during pregnancy or postpartum. I mean, that's a lot of women. Yeah, that's a lot of women. So, you know, it's it's really common during pregnancy, but also most women don't report it. Right, the right. area of pregnancy is. Okay, so, you know, um, what are, you know, if a woman had this, what are the signs and symptoms that she would be some of the things that I think women um, need to look out for is they sometimes they feel this itch or bulge in their abdomen. It almost looks like a hernia if you ever seen that. Yes. Um, and it 
if they see something like that, they kind of just sit down and don't say anything. But they do know that there's something to the past. The other thing that sometimes women can have is lower back pain. Like I said earlier, now some of women have lower back pain with their menstrual cycles, and they coach a lot of what they experience with this pain with their back. Um, poor posture and body mechanics. So when they sit, they sit a lot more with their their feet facing up, and they bend up through their head. So it's a good work, and if you're able to use it, it helps the back get better a lot of times. I think sometimes people can experience that as as well. The other other thing for our contemplation is dancing. So the dads help teachers dance when they So I know that you've seen patients for this type of thing. Um, is it treatable? Yeah, I, I think somewhere or another it is um, treatable. We want to make sure that we're consistent with it. If they feel like they have to, we can refer them to physical therapy, or they can just call us and we can try to get them, you know, seen. But if they suspect it, they need to come in so we can do an exam to test for it, which is very specific. They're laying on their back. They're kind of coming up, doing a little bit of a crunch. And we check above, below, and at the, the belly button line to see what the separation is. Once we find that separation, we pretty much do a lot of teaching, um, teaching women how to brace themselves. And what I mean by that is using their abdominal wall, their pelvic floor, their back and hips, and trying to get their spine to be neutral so that when they're bracing themselves, that's what we call it, they're not increasing their diastasis recti. So really teaching them how to do that when they pick up their newborn, when they're nursing, when they're changing diapers, when they're just cleaning the house. And little things like that that we can do and also just showing them exercises, which is important as well. Just some specific core exercises to help kind of bring that stability back in. Mm. So I think it's a really, really important thing that women need to look out for. And then they need to seek some help. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, that was very informative. Oh, you are welcome. I love talking to you about these different things. I'm hoping that we can maybe do another podcast and talk about something else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will be thinking about something else that we need to discuss that would be helpful for the audience. So, Well, thank you very much. I hope thank you have a you, great Sabina. day, Lauren. You too. Thank you, everyone, for listening.